0: Well, thank you. Thank you for asking me to be here, Jessica. I really appreciate that and thank you all for having me. Uh, this is quite an honor and, uh, and, a, and a real privilege to be able to, to offer some words here on this, uh, on this uh, chapel, the summer chapel uh, that we have. I think I understood it this way, that when I was, we, were, we were talking a little bit, uh, especially because of the sacramental theology class that's going on, I'll offer a little Anglican flavor if there's a chance to do that, and so I'm going to do my best to do that. I'm wearing the collar, and, uh, but other things are, are happening here as well that, uh, that I uh, wish, to, wish to offer you a little bit. Uh, here's the truth. I am squarely in middle age. <clears throat> in fact I'm maybe on the back end of middle age depending on who's asking Uh, but I'm a really young Anglican I've only uh, actually been a confirmed Anglican for a little over four years actively involved in the Anglican church uh, for five and so this is still a a tradition that uh, not only am I learning and growing in but uh, really deeply enjoying and loving love serving the church that uh that I serve right here. One of, the Anglican, one, of the, one of the aspects of Anglicanism that I love and have always loved, actually admired from the outside for a long time and then find myself within now is what I would call the hermeneutic. Uh, the hermeneutic really of uh, uh, the Anglican Church's commitment to the church year and to the lectionary calendar. See, the entire church year is arranged around the story of God, uniquely revealed in Jesus Christ who's at the center, always, always is at the center. And for those of you who are familiar with Anglicanism, I see many of my own within this group, but there's many who I don't recognize as well. For those of you who are familiar with Anglicanism, then you perhaps know uh, a little bit about the church year the seasons of advent and christmas tide and epiphany and lent and and what have you well well the church year is ordered around the birth life death resurrection and ascension ascension of jesus and as we look at jesus we receive greater understanding of who god is jesus reveals the character of the father he reveals the person of the holy spirit And then we get to this point where when the Spirit is poured out on all at Pentecost, which just happened, we just celebrated that just a few weeks ago. With the arrival of Pentecost, we're launched into a new season. It's the season we happen to be in right now. It's a long season. Half a year, it lasts. The Catholic Church and other traditions often call the season ordinary time. Anglicans do as well. But here's what I've learned as an Anglican. Why have one word when three or four will do just fine? <laughs> so we've got several words for this season, one of which is trinity tide, and that's the one that I kind of uh, lean towards the most within our Anglican expression. Twenty Trinity tide kind of gives it a little form, a little shape this season. Here's the aim of this season, that we as God's daughters and sons might live into the fully revealed life of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Trinity season is a season that focuses on the practical aspects of what it looks like to live with God and with one another and for God's glory and for the sake of the world. And We've just begun this season, it just happened a couple of weeks ago. And so here's what I want to do, uh, just invite you, uh, uh, dabble in Anglicanism for just a minute or two at least here, allow the what I think is really the discipleship of this season to, to invite us in, and I invite you into this long, wonderful season, and one of the best ways to begin this season of Trinity Tide is by celebrating the personhood of God, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I want to offer these insights to you. We, all of us, can grow more fully into the life God has for us. In this season of Trinity Tide, especially as we embrace several realities about God in today's texts that we heard, that we sung, the wonder, majesty, the delight, and the invitation of the Godhead. Let me be clear, this is not a moment, uh, an opportunity to explain the Trinity. I'll let your, your, uh, your professors do that, right? <laughs> I'm sure they're doing a great job. Tell me how they're doing, you know. Ex- explain the Trinity. But this is not about, you know, we're not, we're not gonna get into eggs with the, you know, the shell and the white and the yolk. or It's not about water and ice and steam or a shamrock or something like that. We're not, we're not gonna go there. You know better than that, right? Okay, we're seminary students, that's right. We know better than that. But at the same time, this is not check your brains at the door. It's having enough sense to with humility and with our minds fully engaged to be blown away by the majesty, by the wonder that we'll never solve, the mystery that we'll never solve but that we are invited to live. And so the wonder, delight, the invitation of the Trinity. First, these passages are filled with wonder and majesty. Psalm 8 makes it very clear. When I consider the work of your hands, who am I? This this psalm, God's, God's creative majesty is celebrated in Psalm 8. We got to sing that out today, how beautiful and wonderful it was to do just that. God's redeeming majesty is celebrated in Romans chapter 5. The, the peace, the right standing with God, the grace, the hope, and the love of God. All of it. And God's revelatory majesty is celebrated in John. This is where Jesus, who earlier on this very same night, with his disciples, states, he's the revelation of the Father. To make it very clear, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, here he is in John chapter 16, a couple of chapters later, saying that the Holy Spirit will reveal him when Jesus himself is not with us in the bodily form that he has been. The Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus, his truth. He will glorify Jesus. It's mind-boggling, it's complex, it's life-giving, it's wonderful. And this Text in John especially really leads me into the second reality. The sense of sheer delight. Delight isn't specifically mentioned in Psalm 8, but man, it's the sentiment of Psalm 8. It is a joyous psalm of praise and wonder and worship. But it's the honor and joy of the Godhead that's revealed to us in John 16. It really grabs me the most. And man, I had help with this decades ago with Dr. Kinlaw, who was right here in this town and, and uh, helped me and helped so many over the years. He's helped me to see this. Over the time, I've been helped by, by so many others. But the honor that takes place. Here's Jesus in John 16. And, and what we see, what we know about Jesus, of course, is that he's constantly glorifying the Father. And what we know about the Father is the Father's regularly exalting Jesus. Look at my Son. This is my Son in whom I love. Listen to him. We know that the Father ultimately exalts Jesus and sets him at the highest place, at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus here in John 16 tells us that the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus but earlier in this very same chapter, just a few verses earlier, Jesus declares, it's better for you if I go and the Holy Spirit comes to you. Jesus is glorifying the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? The honor, the sheer delight that each person of the Godhead has over each other is breathtaking. Look at my son. Look at the Father. Look at Jesus. Look at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shines a light back on Jesus. Look at you. Look at you. Look at one big chorus of, look at you. It's breathtaking. Larry Crabb says it this way. Imagine the sheer delight of enjoying perfect relationships with two others with no fear of things turning sour. A community of three cut from the same fabric, yet unmistakably distinct. Imagine three who, without a hint of competitiveness, are absolutely thrilled with the uniqueness of the other two, who will stop at nothing to give each other the opportunity to display their special glory. Imagine a community without even the shadow of evil, with nothing but perfect goodness, where every member can be fully himself without fear of promoting rivalry or releasing something bad. Imagine that, community. Within the Godhead, there is this deep interconnectedness, and yet there's no enmeshment. There's distinction. There's personhood. There's personality. There's constant praise and exaltation of one, but never at the expense of the other. Having to tear down one so that I am better about myself. Mom always did like you best. There's none of that stuff going on within the Trinity. Perfect sacrificial love without a hint of codependence. Are you catching what I'm saying here? This is the picture not only of holiness, It's the picture of emotional and relational health and wholeness. It's the picture of absolute fun. Dallas Willard says it this way. We should, to begin with, think. If we think of God at all, we should, to begin with, think that God leads a very interesting life and that God is full of joy. That is our God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's why we have such a deep longing for this within ourselves. Perhaps even why you've laughed a few times as I've offered these words. Why we hunger and thirst for it and ache for it when it's not present. Because it's not present a lot, is it? And that leads us to the third reality the invitation. the Godhead and this is the surprise for me it's always the surprise every passage today there's an invitation in these passages we're called to face a reality that has the power to undo us this is almighty God we're looking at father son and holy spirit but here's what we discover in all of these passages if you ponder the majestic mysterious delightful trinity for very long Here's one thing you've got to come to grips with. You've got to come to grips with God's outlandish love for you. It's in every passage. In Psalm 8, the answer to the question, who am I? I mean, when I consider your works and your wonders, who am I? I just feel like a little gnat. (laughs) Here's the response. It's a response of the highest dignity and of honor and of responsibility that we could be treated with. You're just a little lower than the angels. You're the steward over all creation, humankind. In John 16, we're told that the Holy Spirit will guide us. The Holy Spirit will declare to you all that I have declared to you. Jesus says, all the Father has is mine. And then he turns and says, I take what is mine and I declare it to you. I want you in on this. Romans 5 takes the cake. Through Jesus, we have peace with the Father, a put-rightness with God, fullness, confidence, freedom, hope, and glory. It's all there in those few verses. And if it couldn't get any better, God's love is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, poured out, lavished upon us. Dear friends, we've been invited into this glorious dance of delight and holy love the father son and holy spirit two extra things little miracles specifically for me as we talk relationally here the first is this we're invited into this perfect community and we don't mess it up when we are when we get there does that ever happen in our relationships here you know what I'm talking about? You get those little perfect relationships, that little, that little trio where we get together, that, that group of four or five, and man, the chemistry is working, and oh, the mojo is working, and it's just perfect. And then, maybe just out of sincere kindness, we invite somebody else in, and it just kind of, it's good that they're there, but it changes the dynamic. It's just not like it used to be. Never, ever happens. As you and I are invited in to this perfect community we don't mess it up (laughs) in fact the opposite happens here's the other thing we we uh, on the other hand we don't get lost either we don't just kind of like get absorbed into this shapeless life force called holy love that's not what happens but rather we are shaped we are formed We're fashioned, we're empowered to exercise meaningful life right here and right now. We're welcomed into whole personhood, holy personhood, and made more the persons, the humans, we were always created to be, always redeemed by Jesus Christ to be. Folks, this is not some dull doctrine Oh, I like to talk about the Trinity. I want to invite us, just simply invite us, at the beginning of this season, maybe allow this just, just to echo in, in this season, throughout this long season of what we call Trinity Tide, ordinary time. I want to invite us as God's daughters and sons to live into the fully revealed life of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even as we face. Hardship, suffering, especially as we face hardship, suffering. To be carried, to be empowered, to be strengthened. To walk in communion with the majesty and the delight and the welcome. The glad welcome of the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we come to the table... May we know that this is more than a reminder. It is that, but it's more. It's an invitation. It's an invitation into the fully revealed life of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. You are welcome. You are invited.